Greetings to everybody. Great to see all of you today. And I uh, hope you are ready for another lesson in our series, Game Plan. And, you know, uh, we, we were kind of on the fence about, you know, uh, 9-11 and remembering. Uh, but this series is so important for us in our church that we feel like, it, you know, we need to continue with this. And this even can have tie-ins with finding your lane and finding your gift with what God can use you to do in our community and even as a church. So today we're, uh, we're, we're continuing with part three of our series, and if you're visiting here with us for the first time, uh, a, a Sunday life lesson series is what we call, we, we title them so that they kind of tie in with our life, you know, and, and we've joked about it over the last couple of weeks that women may not, you know, feel great about uh, football on Sunday because they get enough of it after service when they go home, but you know, it, they're tie-ins. And, and you'll, you know, as we've talked about, th- this is a very positive thing it can be. But a life lesson is where we take pieces and studies of the Bible and we make them applicable. We relate them. Much like what Jesus did when he walked here on earth. That he would teach parables. So this would be considered a modern day parable game plan. And as all teams go into the game, they have a plan and they're ready. And they're ready for adversity. They're ready for change. And teams that don't have a great plan obviously get exposed during the game. And how we relate this is to our life. And, you know, the assumption that we have made in this whole series since we started, and we're right in the middle of the series, this is part three, a five-part series. Uh, If God had a plan for my life, a game plan for my life, what is it? How do I go about, and this, you know, we talked about this the last couple of weeks, a survey was taken. If you could ask God one question, this was the answer to the survey. People want to know, why am I here? That's what they, the first thing that they would ask God if they had a chance to ask him one question. This was the number one answer. The number two was, is there an afterlife? Both of those questions you can get answers from and for in the scriptures. And, you know, one of the things that we're going to talk about today, if God has a plan for my life, if he does, why is it so hard to find that out? Why is it difficult for me to find out what's God's plan for me in my life? And we're going to iron that out today. And God does have a plan for your life. And today we're going to focus on the personal will of God for your life. You know, last week we talked about uh, the two things uh, we talked about. Actually, we broke down God's will into three parts. Anybody remember what the first two were in God's will? Laura, you can't answer because you, you know. It's, can't cheat. Anybody? What's the first one of God's will? What was it? Excellent. Providential will of God. And if you want to know what all that means, you've got to go back and listen to the lesson from last week. Okay? And it's online. You can go to our website, lighthousecoc.com, and you can watch, listen the message, you can download it onto your iPod or your, your MP3 player, and you can listen to it wherever you go. Pretty awesome. So that was number one, the providential will of God. What was number two? The moral will of God. And the point we made last week is the clearer you are on the providential and the moral will of God, guess what? The clearer you're going to be on what? The personal will of God. It all leads together. And today we're going to focus on the big question because everybody wants to know the question, the answer to the question, hey, what's God's will for my life? I want to know. 
But just remembering, if you're clear on number one and number two, it gets a lot easier to understand number three. But today we're going to focus in on number three in our lesson. And, you know, last week we talked about the importance of making decisions. And basically we talked about the fact that your life is the lump sum of the decisions that you've made. Your life ends up becoming what you decide over your lifetime. All the decisions that you've made, the cumulative effects, that becomes your life. And so how big are decisions? And I share with you a little bit about my background or my family's background, how they, you know, my, my kids were sitting with my, my parents, you know, their grand, grandmother and grandfather, and they were telling them about how they left the United States and came from Cuba during the communist revolution, how big that decision was. And today I wanted to give you a little bit more because people seem to like hearing about my past and my family and other things like that. So I decided, hey, you know, why not? This kind of ties in with what we're talking about. Maybe you don't want to hear about my family and my background, but I believe it relates. You know, I'm going to come from a family of five. We're five kids. I got two older brothers, two older sisters. And if you know anything about the Cuban people, uh, you know, they got good food, yeah, but there's something in Cuban people where they have a drive and an ambition to do something spectacular with their lives. And it's ingrained in us from a very young age. It's kind of like they pass it down. And my parents would always instill in us, you're Cuban and you got to go here in life. And you got to excel. Whatever you do, you got to be above the rest. And that's kind of the mentality that they raised me in. And I was the fifth child. So I had two older brothers. My oldest brother was an exceptional athlete. And I was just a little kid, and I remember going to his basketball games, and he had the J, he had the J from outside, and he could knock down those important jump shots for the game at the buzzer, and everybody would jump and cheer, and he was a tremendous athlete. And so when I was a kid, there was the bar. Be like your older brother, Nick. Okay? And he was a very good student also. Very intelligent. Graduated uh, with a master's degree in civil engineering. Exceptional student. Set the bar. Got, you know, all kinds of accolades for his studies also. You know, then came my two sisters. You know, they were, they were like the, the, the dream team. They, had, they were cheerleaders. You know, I'd go to the game. There they were. There my brother was. And I'm just a little, you know, kid there. And, and my parents would say, yeah, that's the bar. See what your brother, sisters. They were exceptional athletes, my sisters also. They played uh, college tennis. And in Florida, that's a big deal if you make it to that level. Uh, very good athletes, very good students, and cheerleaders to boot. Then I got my closest brother to me, and he was uh, an exceptional baseball player and a fairly good student also in college. Uh, he was an all-star, could have played college. He tried out, walked on to the University of Florida baseball team, could have made it, decided not to play because school was more important than, uh, than his sports. But there was the bar. And see, somehow, when I was growing up, there was something missing in all of that. See, because I was at the dean's office a lot. Spent a lot of time in the dean's office in elementary school. In fact, I had a file pre pretty much like that. It was thick. I had behavioral problems. I had problems in school with, you know, doing my work on time. And, you know, I used to hear this in the dean's office. I'd hear it at home, and then I'd hear it in the dean's office, and hear it. Says, hey, I, I know your brothers and sisters. And they come out and say it. What happened to you? What's wrong with you? Why can't you be like them? And so I had a chip on my shoulder. 
you know, my, my whole life. And if you come from a big family, it always happens. Maybe you're the model child. But if you're not, there's a chip on your shoulder because you feel like, I'm never measuring up. I'm never reaching the expectation that there is for others. And see, what happens is, in life, we do this comparative thing. We end up running somebody else's race. And what we're going to look at today is, is that God has a specific race marked out for you. And see, I always had trouble in school. You know, they tested my hearing. They tested my eyesight. You know, I was going through all these tests and saying, what is wrong with this kid? You know, why is he so slow? And they put me in special classes. You know, and you know, that, that happens and that's a need. But you know what, what the problem was? I didn't know my lane. And the truth of the matter is, I wasn't running my race. I didn't know what my gifts were and my calling was. And so I spent a lot of time in my life running other people's races. And it's very important in this life that you run your own race. Because a lot of people are going to tell you, you've got to do it this way. And if you're in a big family, you've got to be like your brother. You've got to be like your sister. You've got to be like this person and that person. At work, it's the same thing. Here's the bar. You've got to understand, God made you in a very different way. And we're going to talk about that a lot today. And, and, and we live in a society where there's a lot of comparisons made. But in, that, this, in this, this idea of comparing, you lose sight of what God has called you to do. And this, this kind of question comes up when you see all the, the, the comparisons is, you start to ask the question, am I living up to my full potential? And you question yourself. Because others are doing all these things. What about me? How come I'm not living up to what they're doing? And a lot of times we get lost in that. We feel frustrated with ourselves. And today we're going to be able to figure out and get out of that rut that we have found ourselves. And, and what we're going to talk about today is that there is a race specifically and uniquely cut out for you. Look at this verse in Hebrews chapter 1. And there's a buzz here in the, in the sound system. I don't know if you guys can help take care of that there in the back. A little distracting for the audience. But now that you know that, try to don't think about it. Okay? Forget about it. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, now all these great examples in the Bible, and particularly in Hebrews 11, there's such an, a great number of examples in there. The bar is here. But look what he says. The, the author of Hebrews. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And this is the part of verse I want to focus. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for who? Us. Or in other words, for me. For you. God has a specific race set out for you. And in my life, when I started to thrive, is when I started to run in my lane. And being the little one, the problem one, the baby of the family, when I figured out what my lane is, guess what happened? My life started to take off. I started to be inspired. I started to feel a calling. Hey, I've got something to give here too. And God has called me to a specific thing, very different from everybody else. And then I started to, to really get excited and, and, and fired up about life because there was a plan. 
And another thing happened in the church, and this also can happen, because I had two older brother-in-laws who were, you know, pretty, pretty significant players in our family of churches as ministers. And so again, you know, it's the same thing in the church where you go, oh yeah, you're, you're so-and-so's little brother, or you're the brother-in-law, you're the family, and, then, and you know, and the same thing started happening, so I left the country. You get, 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 go way down south, below the border, you know, where, where, and even it was in South America. And that was such a blessing because I was able to, to, to find my lane, separate and apart from, you know, my family and other people, the overshadow of other people. But you don't have to leave the country in order to do that. That's my encouragement. But what you do have a responsibility to do, and this is the primary focus we're going to have today, is you got to find your lane. And it's out there for you. You can find it. You can discover it. And this is not only going to help you spiritually get right with God, this is also going to help you in your family, in your life, and it can even help you in your career. When people have discovered this, their lane, their focus, their calling, their, their gifts, they've even changed careers. They changed jobs because they were very unhappy with doing what they were doing. And because they changed jobs, they became very fired up about what they were doing. And, and they, they, they all of a sudden exploded in their lives with inspiration and invigoration. This is what the scripture is saying. Let us run the race, our race, not somebody else's race. Run your race. Not your sister's race, not your brother's race, not your parents' race. Run your race. And it's so important, and God has that set out for us. Each one of us. And there's a specific and unique race that God has set out for each one of us. And here's a phrase that you're going to hear a lot. You are uniquely and specifically created by God. You are a one-of-a-kind creation forever. There will never be and has never will, there's never been nor there will ever be another you. Yes, Steve? Got to change the battery? Okay, just a pause here for technical. Okay, in the meantime, we'll keep it going. For all you people online, this is what we call technical pause. Happens in football games, happens all the time. The referees, mic's not working, so that's what they have to do. I want to welcome all you guys that are online watching. But you are a one-of-a-kind one creation forever. And there's never going to be another you. And they, there may be somebody walking down the street who says, Hey, hey, I saw someone who looked just and you know what your answer needs to be? That's not me. I'm me. You know, 200 years ago, there may have been a person with the same name and the same look and the same kind of genetic similarity, same personality. That's not you. You're you. You're different. Thank you, Steve. That's much better. Going crazy. You know, this, but this sounds like a, this sounds like a Hallmark card, Right? This is the Bible. You are a one-of-a-kind creation. There will never be another you. There's never been a you. This is it. This is you. This is your time. 
And God has a specific, special plan for your life. And there's no adaptation for it. You've got to find it. And here's a phrase we're going to repeat a lot. And you can write this one down. This is kind of one of those things where you want to write down in the notes. If you're taking notes, I encourage it. God's thumbprints on you are clues about his plan for you. God's thumbprints on you are clues about his plans for you. Our thumbprint. You know, when you go to the notary, they ask for your thumbprint. You want to know why? Because there's never been and there will never be another thumbprint like you. And that's, that's a clue. That's a clue that you are uniquely, specially made. You can go back in time and dig up all the, the, the forensic studies of everybody, all the thumbprints. There's never been a thumbprint like yours. And that's a clue that God has uniquely and specifically made you with a plan in mind. And that's a clue. He has a specific plan for you. And knowing this, 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 this fact will release you from running everybody else's race. You're free. You don't have to run your sister's race. You don't have to run your parents' race. You don't have to run your brother's race. You're you. But what you do have to do is you have to run your race. And that's very important. And, you know, the great news is, is that judgment, and I'm very thankful that when I face God on the last day, He's not going to compare me to how I did in school compared to my brothers and sisters. Boy, that's a huge relief. He's not going to go back and say, you know, why, why, didn't, you go, why didn't you get your master's degree in engineering and civil engineering? Because I didn't have that. You know, I didn't have that gear. And I'm grateful. He's going to say, what did you do with what I gave you? Okay? And, and that's the good news. And that's the encouraging thing. God's thumbprint on you are clues about his plan for you. Take that one home. Okay? And look at your thumb. You just want to go up this afternoon and just look at it. Mm. Look at your thumb. Matthew 25. This is a parable that Jesus talked about. Let me make my switch here. Okay, we back? No bugs? Ah, that's better. Matthew chapter 25 and verse 15. Jesus told a parable, starting in verse 14, about a manager. And the Bible is super, super clear on this, about judgment. How's it going to look and what's it going to be like? What's God going to ask of me? And in this particular parable, the parable of the talents, Jesus talks about what judgment day is going to be like. He said, it's like a manager. He had three servants. And each one of those servants, he gave talents of money. And look what the verse says in verse 15. It says, to one he gave five talents of money, to another two talents, and to another one talent. And look at this phrase here. Each one, each according to his what? His ability. And then he went on the journey. Then he came back and he asked for an account. How would you guys do with what I gave you? Jesus says this is exactly what's going to happen on Judgment Day. This is how it's going to break down. This is what God's going to happen. But he didn't give all the servants 
the same number of talents and the same abilities, there was a difference. And that means that there's an individual makeup, of an individual ability that God has given you. And he's not going to be any comparison. And if you notice judgment, judgment was taken everybody together or one by one? One by one. That's how it was broken down. And this is serious. The Bible's super clear. And I would weigh in on this. I would lean in on this because this is important. At the end of your life, you do not want to walk around and say, well, I didn't have enough time. I was too busy to find out what my gifts and my abilities were. And nor do you want to say, you know, well, I was so discouraged by my brother or my sister because they were doing all this and I couldn't do all of that. So I just walked around with my head down all the time. You do not want to do that. That is not a good answer. You have a responsibility, and what the Bible is saying is to find your lane. Find your gift. So you can follow it, so you can do it. And the, the, the truth of the matter is, we spend way too much time on things that have very little impact on our lives. And you see it, some are already, already yeah, fantasy football. You know, you're, you're talking about you're sitting down for hours should I pick T.O. or Ocho Cinco? Which one? Let me tell you, in Judgment Day, you are not going to get asked by God, you should have picked T.O. instead of Ocho Cinco. That's not going to happen. He's not going to ask you that. So why are you spending so much time? And there's nothing wrong with spending a little time but obsessing, and you've got nothing, no time for anything else. Or Facebook. Man, people spend a lot of time, young people spend a lot of time, you know, Facebook here, hey, I'm going to the bathroom, I'll be right back. <laughs> T.I., too much information, T.M.I., too much information. I don't need to know that, and I don't want to spend all that time knowing what you're doing with every second of your life. If you're spending so much time and, and God's not going to ask you on Judgment Day, so why didn't you friend so-and-so? Why didn't you answer that message that they sent you? You know? And you only had 50 friends. Everybody else has like two, 300 friends. He's not going to ask you that. You know? And, and some of us think that life is about how many friends you can get on Facebook. It's not about that. I got, nothing, I got nothing against Facebook. I'm just saying the amount of time that you spend on some of these things, and there's a whole list of things that we spend time doing. But my question is, are you spending time finding out what your gift is and what your role and your life and your lane is in this life? It's huge. And that's what we're going to talk about today, a, a primary focus. Imagine the conversation with God. I put my thumbprint on you, he says. I gave you a unique and specific thumbprint on your life. I give you something that nobody else can do. You. And here's your answer. I was really busy, God. I didn't have time to do all this research about my gift set, about my life and what I'm good at and what my role is and what my calling is. Or I saw my brother or sister and their life, and I got discouraged. You do not want to have this answer on Judgment Day. You don't want that. 
So that's, this is a wake-up call for us today because you can read about it in Matthew chapter 25 how it went when they rolled out these answers. It did not go well for them. And you don't want that. So now today, seize the opportunity. This week, seize the opportunity. You know, take a little less time on those other things so you can dedicate some time to finding out what is your role, what's your gift set, what's your lane so you can thrive for God. And I promise you, you're going to be a lot more fired up in the process. Mentoring. You know, we've all heard of mentors. Mentor is somebody who's, you know, older than you, more experienced than you, and they can teach you some things. I have a number of mentors. Mentors can be real-time, people that are working with you right now or helping you with your life right now. I have a number of real-time mentors right now. You know, I've got, got John Mantle helping me with marriage and family. Uh, I've got John Causey helping me with, with, with uh, ministry and, and, and that kind of thing. And then I've got a whole host of other people that I read books from. I've never met them before in my life. Some of them I've met. But they're mentoring me. They're teaching me how to find my lane and how to be a better minister, husband, father, friend, whatever it is. Even I've got mentors in, in, the, in the athletic world and, and, and exercise and diet. I want to grow. i got people that, that are helping me grow and be the best I can be. There's a great mentor. He's been a mentor in my life, and that's the Apostle Paul. And he's probably been a great mentor for you because he he's written most of the New Testament. Paul mentored Timothy. And let's just, let's just grab a little piece of what Paul told Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 14. Look what, look what he says. And not just what he says, the way he says it. Look what he says here, verse 14. Do not neglect your gift, which was given to you through the prophetic message when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Now, you may not have the opportunity to have the elders, you know, Dave and, and Joe, you know, lay their hands on you. But I'll tell you what you do get. What they did by doing that is they affirmed and confirmed Timothy's gifts. And we get this a lot. We get people around us who affirm and confirm our gifts. And, and this is what happens. And, and it's very important that we, we take what Paul's saying here is, don't neglect your gifts. Don't hide them. Don't play them down. Listen to what people, you know, have you ever had somebody walk up to you and say, wow, you're, you're really good at that. In fact, if I did what you did just did right now, it would take me five hours. And you did it like that. Man, you're good. There's things that you do better than a lot of people and you're gifted but you know what happens when people pay us compliments we go around and we go yeah no i'm not that really good you know try to you know play the humble card right no i'm not that good at that i'm okay and it's not humility let me tell you what it is it's false humility and false humility is a subtle pride it's a deflection and by doing that, you are doing exactly what Paul said. You're neglecting your gifts. When somebody affirms and confirms in your life that you have a gift, you need, to, you need to build that up. You need to research that out more. And you need to get better at that specific gift in your life. And you need to look for the way that you can become 
stronger in it. And when somebody encourages you, that's your thumbprint. That's what you've got that nobody else has. That's God's thumbprint in your life. Don't deny it. Don't neglect it. Don't play it down. Don't hide it. And it's, it's super important that all of us play into this. Look what, look what else Paul said to Timothy. He repeats it and he wrote two letters. First Timothy then 2 Timothy. He writes it again. Look what he says here in 1 Timothy or 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 6 and 7. For this, this, for this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God. In other words that thumbprint that you have I want you to Fan that into flame. I don't know if you've ever done some cooking outside or try to light a fire outside. What happens when that fire goes out? What, what do you need to do? You get a cardboard or newspaper and you fan it. And what happens? Comes up. You can save a dying fire by fanning it into flame. You can save an uninspired life, an ebbing life, by fanning into flame your gift by running your race and figuring out what God has called you to do. And it says here, for this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands, basically his hands, and then he reminds him of the other times, for God did not give us a spirit of what? Timidity. In other words, fear, but a spirit of power, a spirit of love and of self-discipline. You've got this, is what he's saying. Use what you've got. Don't hide. Don't be afraid to step out. You know, and fear holds a lot of us back from being what we can be for God. And I want to encourage you to be bold, be courageous, take some risks, step outside of the box, and be you. Be what God has called you to be. And you know what? When you take risks, guess what happens? There's some failure involved. You know, you, you may make some mistakes. You saw in the service this morning, everything didn't go great with the sound and there's this problem. But what do you keep doing? You keep going. You keep pushing forward. You know, I remember my first sermon that I delivered planning a church in Rio de Janeiro. I mean, it was the worst of the worst of the worst. It was embarrassing. Everything that I could have imagined that could go wrong went wrong that day. Imagine if I would have said, I'm never going to preach another sermon again. I'm done. Because of this failure, I'm done. You see, this might have been happening in Timothy's life. You know, he may have had some mistakes. And, and Paul's saying, don't back down. Fan that gift into flame. It may be going down a little bit. You may be having some problems in the church, but you keep on coming. You keep on going. You fan that flame. Use your gifts. Use that thumbprint and keep on coming. Well, how do I know what my thumbprint is? Okay, let's get specific. How can I find out what my gifts are? Now, are you ready? You better get a pen and a paper out because I'm going to give you some stuff. Okay? I'm going to give you an opportunity to find out what your specific gifts, there are so many resources out there for you to find out. In fact, companies will pay a lot of money to find out what people's 
gifts and skill sets and personality makeup is before they start working for him. Any reason why? Because they want to make sure you're a right fit for that job. And they're not going to hire you until they're sure that's a right fit. So how can you know? How can you know what God's plan specifically and personally is for you? Number one, as you see it on the screen, know your gift. Number two, leverage opportunities to, opportunities to use those gifts. In other words, have a plan. Take initiative. Everything that we do in this, in this church is, is mostly driven by volunteers. A lot of people help put these things together. Most of what we do as a church is driven by volunteers in, this, in respect of leadership. And that's the way God created it. He wants people in this church for it to be an active body, not to have one huge bubble head that does everything and everybody else just kind of hangs on and we go in a wheelchair to follow the bubble head. That's not the way God made the church. He made it to be every part, including the head, is an integral part of the body. We're counting on everybody. That's essentially how God has made it. So some of us have to leverage the opportunities to use our gifts to have a plan. How do I discover my gifts? Number one is you can discover your temperament. Here's a great website that I found. It's all for free. And if you're wondering, I put this on the newsletter. These websites are on your newsletter. I would encourage you to take the time to go on this website. This first one, uh, codachrome.org. It has 140 questions to basically decide and help you understand what your spiritual gifts are. By answering those questions, and it's multiple choice, so you, you, don't, you don't have to answer you know, the questions. That could take you a long time. Just go through and answer those questions. It, you submit it, and then it's going to give you your strengths based on your answers. Codachrome.org is all free. You're going to know what your spiritual gifts are so that you can use them what your calling is, and then discover your temperament. This is a long one. You may not be able to write it, so it's on the web, it's on the uh, newsletter. But I'm just putting this up on the screen so you can see there's opportunities for you to know. This temperament study, we used it in our essential eight in the marriage class. Who can tell me what the four temperaments are in, 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 in the marriage, in, in the four temperaments that we looked at? Okay, go ahead, Diane. Choleric. Excellent. Okay, do you know what your combo is? Do you know what Kevin's combo is? And how has that helped your marriage? Oh, yeah. See, because he knows and she knows who each other are so they can, they can connect with each other instead of what we do. A lot of times as husband and wife, guess what we do? We miss each other in communication. Because we want everyone to understand us and this is me, and I'm me, and we don't understand each other, and it creates a lot of unnecessary conflict. And it also helps you to know yourself and know your weaknesses. This is a tremendous help for us, and I hope you'll weigh in on that. But this is a temperament study, and that's not just for the marriage. This is for everybody. Know your temperament. Know what you're made of. And you can do that study, and you can find out your temperament. And then there's a lot of things you can learn about yourself. So you can know your gifts and know your temperament. And then make a plan. Here's an interesting quote by this guy, Michael Hyen. He says, many people spend more time planning their vacation than they do for their life. In other words, you know how much time they spend planning for their life? 
very little of any. They just go about it. Wake up in the morning, I got to go to work. I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. And they just go with the flow. There's no plan. There's no mission statement. There's no goals. There's no, hey, this is where I want to be in 10 years. This is where I want to be in five years. It's just we go through life. That's what most of us do. I'm not putting anybody down here. I'm just telling you, this is what most of us do. God did not create you to go through life like that. He's got a plan. He's got you with some specific gifts. He's given you a thumbprint. And it's your responsibility to investigate that out. And the reason why these resources are available to us for free is because we get the opportunity to grow and understand and thrive. What kind of community would we be if we, all of us, were living out our gifts? We know our gifts, and we're leveraging those gifts in the area of service. What kind of community will we be? Do you think we'd be happier? Do you think there, we would get along a lot better? Because I would understand, you got your lane, I got my lane, and I respect you, and I'm going to give you your space, and you give me my space, and let's work together, and, and together we're going to do even greater things. Here's another website, it's on, your, on the newsletter, but write it down. And you've probably heard of this guy, Franklin Covey. He's got a website here on this place, it's free. You can do, and, and, and basically put together a life plan for yourself. Well, what about like companies, when they have a, a mission statement? Do you have a mission statement for your life? I guarantee you, every single one of the Fortune 500 companies, the best of the best, they all have a mission statement. They have a purpose statement. And they have five focuses, five programs that they are, they're working on, or lanes. They're very specific. Why don't we do life like that? And this, is a, this isn't, you know, rocket science. You don't have to be, you know, this computer whiz. You go on this website. It'll ask you some questions. Boom, boom, boom. And then it'll give you the results. It'll help you frame your life plan. And then all you have to do is follow that plan. And guess what happens? Your life explodes. You start feeling success. Particularly, I want to encourage you young people here and here and there. The young and the not so young. It's never too late to find out what your gifts are. And you know, I didn't want us to go to, to end this lesson today and go, okay, everybody, go find your gifts. Well, how? These are resources. And so you can get real specific about knowing. I didn't want to leave you without any, you know, specifics. Hey, I'm going to give you the ball. You're going to have the ball. You run with it. But you know, I've got to speak the truth in love here today. Most of you, most of you are not going to do this. I hope you prove me wrong. Most of you are not going to do this. You know why? Because you're busy people. Don't let that be an excuse. I know you're busy. And I know this is important, but it's not urgent. See, you don't need this to do by tomorrow or next week. Nobody's going to ask you next week, hey, did you do it? Okay, well, I'm going to dock some pay from you, or I'm going to dock something from you because you didn't get it done. See, we won't do that. And you, you, you school people, you know, the guys in school, teacher's not going to take points off of your grade because you didn't do this. But let me tell you, if you don't do this, it's going to affect your life. It's going to affect how happy you are. And because people have taken these tests and done this, as I've said before, they've changed careers. They changed. Now, don't change your career until you get the new career. A little piece of advice. 
Don't quit your present job until you get the new job. You want to change careers, don't quit. Keep that job. Get the new job, then tell your boss, okay, I got Saranara, I got to go. Okay? These are great, great tools. If you don't apply this and work at it, here's the statement. You forfeit the right to complain about knowing God, not knowing God's plan for your life. You can't walk around complaining, well, I just don't know what God's plan is for my life. How much time have you taken to research it? To investigate it? It's not that difficult. We're not talking about, uh, uh, you know, uh, a thesis, college level. This is simple stuff. You can do this. And let me just say this. It's okay to be frustrated with your life. Some of us reach that frustration point. It's okay for you to be frustrated with your life. But it is not okay to be frustrated and do nothing or do anything about it. That's unacceptable. To walk around complaining and griping about, well, I don't know what God's plan is for my life and I'm lost, and you do zip to get it done, to get it figured out. That's not acceptable. And I want to encourage you, leverage the opportunity to use your gifts. You know a safe place where you can leverage the opportunities to use your gifts right here in the church it's a safe place because the truth is if you screw it up you're not going to get fired okay if you mess up here in church one of these guys come up and they you know fouled it up you're not going to fire anybody it's not like in your job they just go hey I, maybe this is my gift I'm going to change lanes let me give you some examples. You can serve in the ushering team. And basically, I, I want to go ahead and say this. If you're a member of our church, we want you to do something to help us. Okay, it's not a have to. It's a need. It's a need and a half. You know, in nine months after my baptism in college, nine months after that, some of the brothers of the church came up to me and said, hey, we got a need. And we know you're leading a small group in college, but we got a need on Sundays. We need you to lead an ushering team. Really? I'm 21. I'm not one of these older guys that comes with a suit and tie and, you know, and I'm all gentleman-like and I can, I can run an ushering team. They said, step up. We need you. And so I said, okay. I'm, I'm ready. Let's do it. They saw something in me that I could do that job as a young baby disciple, nine months old. And so I got there early on Sunday, which I would encourage some of you, if you do something here on, on Sunday, that'll help you get here on time or get here early so you can serve, right? I couldn't be late because I was the team leader. What kind of example was I going to be to my team? And I had older guys on my team. You know, they were older gentlemen. And I was giving them direction about how we're going to do it. And it was a little bit, you know, intimidating at first. But I went for it. And, you know, it really helped me to learn, hey, I can do certain stuff. And you know what else it helped me? It helped me to oversee what's happening in the church, which kind of led me into thinking about the ministry. Because when I would take the attendance, I would know how many people. One of the things that I, I saw was that our attendance on Sunday was lower than our membership. 
because I knew what the membership of the church was, and we would have attendances on Sunday. So I went to the minister, and I said, hey, just wanted to let you know, FYI, we got a membership, and people aren't coming to church. And usually your attendance is higher than your membership because you have friends coming to church, right? It was lower. And so, you know, I'm starting to thinking about the flock and what's going on with the flock and what's happening in the church. And it led me to do a lot of thinking and interacting with the ministers. And so I, I would bring that to the minister and he would say, hey, you know, we need to talk about this as a church. Talk about our attendance. Which leads me to my next point. How about our attendance here in this, this church? Now, we do have an attendance higher than our membership, which is a good thing, huh? But i got to say this to some of you. You'll miss at anything. Give you a reason. And you're not being a part of our team. I mean, what would a football team be like if guys just didn't show up? Even on the fr- NFL franchises, if, if a guy doesn't show up to practice, what happens? Boom, 50,000. In some cases, 25,000. They take it away. Now, we're not going to do that in this church. We're not going to take away your spiritual card. But we're a team. And we need everybody here early, helping out, serving in some way. And that, that really helped me. We got the Faith Tech crew. Wave your hands back there behind the, the Diana, Steve, Clay, Ronnie. You know, since Ronnie started working back there, we were able to put our services online. And there are people today who can't be at service because they've got an ailment. They sent me a text this morning saying, I can't be there because I'm having a hard time moving my leg. So I can't come, but I'm going to watch you online. They're watching. Thanks to Ronnie taking initiative and saying, I'm going to serve. I'm going to use my gifts. I got some tech skills. I'm going to use my gifts. We started this whole thing. That's awesome. But these guys need some help. Steve came to me two weeks ago and said, hey, we need some help back here. We're shorthanded. We lost some people. I want you, if you've got some tech skills and you'd like to volunteer, I want you to talk to Steve. And the only way you're going to find out your gift sometimes is trying different things. But if you're going to be a part of the volunteer tech team, you've got to be here early. You've got to be on time so you can help. Okay, and I appreciate our singers. You know, they, they get here early. They're rehearsing. They rehearsed yesterday so this service could be what it is today. You know, there's a lot of stuff that's going on behind the scenes to make it. And you're not a show-up, you know, person that's just watching the game. If you're a member of this church. Now, if you're not a member, hey, it's great to have you. You don't have to do anything. We just want you to hear the message and let it stir around, and I hope God will stir your heart. Children's ministry. You know, this week I'm going to announce it at the end. We're going to start a new curriculum next week. A brand new curriculum. And it's going to include the parents. It's going to be a marriage of the, 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 the curriculum, what they're teaching in the classrooms. Each parent is going to get a devotional after Sunday school. You know how they have the little crafts and the little boat and the little... You know, the little crafts they get every Sunday. And, oh, that's so nice, Johnny. You know what they're going to bring next week? They're going to bring a family Devo. Here, Dad, look what we did. And it's going to be the devotional for you and your kids. I want to encourage you to do that devotional during the week. See, because we only have maybe 50 hours a year with your kids. Do you really think that's going to help them understand who God is? You've got thousands of hours a year with your kids. You're the bigger influence. So we're trying to connect. And, and children's ministry, you know, we had, we had five 
six kids uh, baptized in the last uh, month or so in the teen ministry. That, that wasn't just a, a flash. That was a, 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 something that happened over a long period of time. A lot of these kids grew up in the church. They heard Sunday school after Sunday school after Sunday school. And it really made a difference over the long haul. We've got some young toddlers. They're going to need some faith. They're going to need some help. And we need some teachers that are willing to step forward and say, this is my gift. I can do this. And I want to talk about leadership. You know, uh, we've got some faith groups that need leaders. Well, I can't lead. How do you know? How do you know? You've never tried it. Well, I got the, you know, I got the tongue thing. I, I can't talk. Whenever I try to speak public, I can't talk. And it doesn't work. You know, it all happens with all of us. Some of you are leaders and you know it. And you are, you are stepping back. You're, you're back here. You're watching. Let me just say this to you. God is going to ask you why. You didn't use his specific thumbprint in your life. And there's going to be some accounting to give. And that's for everybody on this planet. So you're going to be happier. You're going to be fired up because you're using your gifts and you got your lane. Ever since I started serving in the church, I was a much happier member. And let me say this. I know I'm going a little long. I got a lot of people coming up to me making suggestions about what we need to do better in the church. Okay? And we got a suggestion box right out there. No, I'm kidding. If you've got a suggestion, I want you to help us solve the problem. Okay? Help us fix it. And maybe you can't fix that because you don't have the skills, but you can help fix something else. Okay? You can help with something here in our church. Imagine what it would be like if all of us are in our lane doing our thing, what kind, of, what kind of difference could we make for our community? They walk in the door and they're going, wow, what is this? These people are they're on fire. They're doing amazing things. And they're happy. And they're in their lane. And you take this home with you and you're going you're gonna to find in your job some things that you could do and you're, you're, you're gifted and you're going to be smiling and on fire about this. Let's close out. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 15. Okay, so you got, you, got your, you got your briefcase. It's filled up with stuff today, okay? And we're going to even have some stuff on the website for you, okay? We've got a, a Word document on the website that's going to come up this week with a personality test. You can print it out. Some of you are low-tech. You can print it out and write it down and do your own personality test. We're going to make it easy for everybody, all right? You can do your personality test online. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 15. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourselves wholly them so that everyone may see your progress. Emphasis on everyone. You know, you can go through this whole lesson today and say, yeah, me, my gift, it's all about me. No, it's not. It's not all about you. And this is very important. If you don't reach your full potential. Guess who that affects? The rest of us. See, because some of us are counting on you to inspire us with your life, with your example, with your faith, 
We're looking to you. We're looking. We need a game here. We need a play here. We need you. And only you can do that because you, only you have that thumbprint. Nobody else can take your place. You're it. You're the one. You're the man. You're the, you're the, you're the running back in that particular area. See, the church needs you. And maybe you're here visiting. You make the decision to follow God. There's no telling what your life can be. You know, I want to lift up Michael and Jennifer. You suffered a terrible loss this week. But you know, I want to lift them up because they, they, they basically grabbed a faith ball and they said, we're going to be faithful to God. And we're going to lift him up in the hardest time of our lives. And let me tell you, the funeral on Thursday was amazing. Yeah, I, I spoke and everything, but you know, their life, their family, the impact of little Katrina in the six years of her life was so amazing. What if they had said years ago, we're not going to step up. We're not going to use our gift. We're just going to sit back and cruise or we're going to step away. The lives that were impacted would be different had they not done that. My life's different thanks to them. My perspective is different thanks to them, thanks to little Katrina. I'm asking you today to chew on this. God has a game plan for you. And this is for everybody. Use your gift. Take the ball and run with it. Know what your gifts are and leverage those opportunities that God gives you to have an impact for him. And I want to say this. It's not just about you. It's having the opportunity to inspire so many. If you don't do these things that we talked about today, guess who loses? You lose. But we lose too. We all lose. We lose that opportunity. And that's what Paul was saying to Timothy. Your progress will inspire everyone. Our progress will inspire a community. So don't be afraid. This is your shot. It's game day. This week is your opportunity to get un to understand and know and shine. And just to say this, our goal in the church is to, is to grow everyone's faith, and that means each and every one of us and I already shared about Ronnie and the difference that he's made. There's so many people that have stepped forward in our church and made a difference. And I want to say this to the young people because, you know, the teens in the campus, I want to encourage you guys not to wait until you get a little older to start serving and taking an initiative. This is the time. And let me tell you, when a young person steps forward and starts serving and starts doing things, it inspires us. The not-so-young group, and that's inspiring. You guys could serve in Kingdom Kids. We checked it out. You can do it. You can be a part of the ushering team. What would it be like for a teenager to walk into this church and see another teenager welcoming him or her? And, you know, the ushers, they need some help. And in so many ways, the Faith Tech team, they could use young people to help out. So that is our, our lesson today. And uh, I was going to show you this video, but I'm going to skip it maybe next week.
of uh, our, our, our friend, friend Lynn, Vince Lombardi and the game day speech. But we'll save it for another day. Faith in action to close out, and then we'll pray for our communion. Please use and go through these materials that I've provided with you today and discover your gift. It's going to make all the difference in your faith and in your life. And you can do this together with your faith group. Guess what we're doing Friday night in our faith group? <laughs> yeah, we're going to talk about it. So all you guys remember the faith group? Uh, Sergio? Okay, this, this Friday, this is what we're going to do in our faith group. Because when you do it together, you help grow together. And take a chance and serve in some way. If you want to volunteer in any way, talk to the team leader about that. And the door will be open. Let's pray for the communion. God, we thank you so much.